You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Blade Runner weekend. Correct. It is. Uh, we uh, watched Blade Runner yesterday, and we watched Blade Runner today. We are Blade Runner aficionados. Are you assuming people do know that there are two? Well, there's more than two. But there's Blade Runner and there's Blade Runner 2049. And that's what we watched today. Yeah, instead of watching uh, football like most people do this weekend, we decided that's to That's tomorrow. It's not today. We decided, yeah, I said this weekend. We decided to watch <laughs> sci-fi instead. Yeah, but that's not tomorrow. We won't be doing that tomorrow. Tomorrow we will probably watch some sci-fi, I imagine. No, tomorrow will be your your show finale, you know. I think that'll be today. Oh, good. What is the before the after the show discussion, uh, Sid Talk? How are you? What are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I don't know what we were discussing. You were doing your test. We were talking about this movie, Ridley Scott. I think he's overrated, but hey, that's a whole other subject. I'm playing my Sims game, which is always fun. And before this, before the before the before, I'm trying to learn some photography skills, techniques, and a purchased camera, which is on its way. So I'm very excited about that. That's about it. We'll talk about that later, cameras and stuff. Aye. Um, but for now, we will tell you that this is After the Show, your weekly podcast where me, A. Scully, and you, Sid Talk, <laughs> review a movie. It's Saturday, February the 3rd. This is After the Show 516. And we're looking at the movie Blade Runner 2049. It's a 2017 movie released on Blu-ray already. You can pick this one up now on Blu-ray, 4K, and digital copies. It's rated R. And it's from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy for review. And Sidtalk will give you the synopsis of Blade Runner 2049. Hmm. Synopsis. Who am I saying this to? The person who saw the original and was desperate to see this one so they know what it is? Or the person who has no idea because they just see Harrison Ford in the name? Hmm. It's hmm. a future... It's 2049, so you know it's the future. <laughs> the world is dystopian, and there are replicants, which are androids slash fake life. They're not androids, because they're not mechanical. And something's gone wrong, and the Blade Runner is the guy who hunts them down. And this is also, an, on a bigger, more deep note, it's an exploration of what makes us human and what makes life real. Thanks. How's that? How's that? Good synopsis. So, as I said earlier in the show... Uh, yesterday, we watched the original Blade Runner. And there are many, many cuts of the original Blade Runner, so we watched the final cut, which is the Ridley Scott-endorsed version. And um, what did you think? Well, let's put it, put it this way. Sid Talk, the last time she saw Blade Runner was on VHS back <laughs> in the day. And I saw it maybe five years ago when I got the Blu-ray. Um, so it's... Fairly fresh in my mind, but not in yours whatsoever, right? No. Um, I am, I've always been a fan of Blade Runner, but not like I am of Star Wars, you know? But I, I do appreciate Blade Runner, always have, and I love the vision of the future that it presents. And Sid Talk, who is kind of fresh to... It was almost like Blade Runner was a brand new movie yesterday for you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not... Yes. Now, I also caveat here is that I drank a lot back in the day when I was probably watching a lot of movies in VHS. 
So I probably watched it and loved it, but I was also quite drunk. So, you know, I'll give that. <laughs> so yesterday's viewing. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> yesterday's viewing of the original Blade Runner, what was your opinion? I loved it. I mean, I loved it, and yet I've, there's lots of flaws, but I do love it. I'm, I'm a sci-fi kind of a person, not an aficionado, not in the geeky world where I will pick it apart or get lost in it. I'm not a fantasy liver, whatever that's called. Um, but I love exploring ideas of people's ideas of the future and weird combining our technology with human experiences, so... I always love science fiction, and of course, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It has flaws. I think, like I said before, Ridley Scott's a little bit up his own ass all the time, and that makes it suffer as a story, but as like a vibe and like an idea, and then like the grungy, horrible future that we purportedly were going to have, but it's actually next year, and I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> it's 2019, so it's kind of funny. Yeah. So I'm sure next year there'll be a big, like, Blade Runner. It's funny that they didn't wait till next year. Yeah, I thought that, too. Because you could make a big deal of it, but... Unless Blade Runner 3049 is next year, like an, a sequel, like another sequel. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, you like the original. Now, yeah, I did. I think the original still stands up. I think it looks visually amazing still. Um... My problem with the original, after watching it again, is how thin the story actually is. I said to you, it's it's a very, it's it's a lot of uh, bells and whistles, visuals, uh, wow, 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 and the story is very thin. Like there's not a lot to it. Yeah. And I felt that this time a lot. You know, it's more. I would also apply that to this movie, twenty forty nine. To be honest, it's a lot. It's a lot more visually interesting than the story is. Would that be a... Yes, I think that's accurate. Style over substance is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. But in a good way, because you still love it the way it is. In a good way, yeah. 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 So, and I'm watching the original yesterday again, and seeing it in Blu-ray, and seeing the final cut, which is the best one, in my opinion, with the uh, not-so... Happy ending, if you've seen that. If and apparently no voiceover, which I would have heard the first time and didn't, didn't yeah. don't remember. Yeah, exactly. The voiceover is missing from the... It's better without the voiceover. The voiceover just makes it weird. If you ever see it on television, there'll always be the voiceover. If you've ever caught it on the... And I would have seen it with that as well, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that voiceover was horrible, so thank God there was no voiceover on this new movie. So yeah, that's what we think of the original Blade Runner. I'm still a fan. But I did notice this time that the story is really paper thin, but it looks gorgeous the entire time. I mean, considering when it was made in the early 80s, with no CGI and just models, it's very impressive to look Mm -hmm. at. So moving fast forward to the future, 2018, and we uh, just saw Blade Runner 2049. We just finished watching it this afternoon. So Sid Talk, you can go first. What did you think of this one? I thoroughly... Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know. In the same way as the first one? Yes. In the way that I... And it's good that we watched it yesterday, because then I get right into it. But as soon as it starts, I just want to... I'm drawn to put myself there. And the time that he takes, whoever, the director, whoever's deciding, the editor, to take long, good looks at things and 
It's not like da 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 like chop 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 chop, and you get these amazing. You know, when you're looking at that scrapyard as you approach, and you have time to look and go, well, those are ships, and that's like an entire city that's been turned into a dump. And then it t- gives you time to do that, and then I'm in it. That's not in the beginning, but that happens throughout. Like as soon as we approach, we're seeing like these unimaginably huge solar farms and yet the sky is completely fogged over it's disgusting you can't see anything it's really dark but then you instantly get this vibe of humanity is desperately clawing at survival because you have every inch of land covered with solar panels it's hard to see a farm it's hard to see and then you find out the whole that whole system has collapsed and there's no like Growing anything, there's no animals. You learn that some at some point. They don't really say it ever, do they? No, they don't. That we learn in the extras, but it is absent, this this feeling of life. And so I'm there. I'm like, oh, it's grungy and it smells, it smells bad and it's and I'm I'm just in it. And the isolation of the person, you know, it kinda takes you to on a humor more humorous side, but like fifth element, you know, where Bruce Willis goes into his little tiny box of a where he lives and it's him by himself and the whole world is so chaotic and then boom you're in this little tiny spot where it's all all of a sudden it's just a guy and now you're starting to feel his if he's broken or what's his deal what's his story you know that's how lost I get I'm just in it and nothing distracts me fully whereas yesterday there were some distractions as in it was really hard to see a lot of the stuff, and I feel like that was stylistically a choice, partly of the times. It was 1982, but the darkness was distracting, so that would pull me in and out occasionally. But today, I didn't have any of that, so I just sort of went went along for the ride. I loved it. Now, th- this movie, um, people, I've just been looking at some reviews of this movie. People criticizing it for being too long. Yeah, of course. I, I never buy the uh, it be a movie being too long unless. I have felt some movies are too long. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. there are some movies where I go. Here's how the rule works: if I like it, it can't be too long. Yeah, if like, I don't like it, it gets too long. <laughs> so it's not really a matter of actually um, being too long. You know, and I love I love a long movie. Like Magnolia is my favorite movie. It's a very long movie. It's three hours and twenty minutes, I believe. It even, is a bit much. Even Paul Thomas Anderson said he, he would rather it be an hour shorter that movie. But um, no, leave it alone. <laughs> Um, so this movie being two hours and 45 minutes, I actually appreciated the length of it because as you was just saying, at the beginning of this movie, it starts off, it shows you Ryan Gosling's character a day at work, what he does for his job. And you kind of get an idea about him. And then he goes back to his apartment and the whole sequence in the apartment that follows is really a relationship sequence mm-hmm. and other movies that you know, have to wrap up within 90 minutes. There's no way they could have spent that amount of time actually delving into the character. Because he's basically having a relationship with a hologram... um, Would you call it a hologram? Of course. Hologram lady. Yeah. And she's exactly perfect. And, you know, probably what he ordered. Well, exactly what he ordered. And uh, he's having a relationship with her. You know, he can't touch her because, like, she obviously is just light. So he goes through her. But, you know, she's real. pretending to kiss him. and See, that's what this movie examines. What is real? Right. Like, we talk to the A word now. Now, that is literally on a 
a thousand probably, or who knows how many server hard drives, database AI. with all the stuff out there. It's not, it's not just AI. It's literally just little boxes with hard drives stuck in it, stuck in them. That's grabbing information constantly to feed back to us to respond to whatever we say. However, <laughs> what do I say every time she does something for me? Uh, thank you. And hello. Thank you. Or thank you, my dear. Or thank you, darling. Or thank you. I appreciate that. It is an automatic response because I am engaging with this Your interaction. Um, well, no, because I don't say thank you to my phone when it does a thing or, but it's engaging with me. Right. Yes. It's not a person and it's been told what to do, but it is responding only. It's not like, um, what we're talking Every... about, she, all she said was a word. That doesn't make any sense to you. Um, oh. We're talking about the Amazon Echo. Correct. And if I say, Alexa, have a nice day. She didn't hear me. She thankfully. just ignores you. <laughs> she didn't ignore me. <laughs> and I'll say something like, well, fine then. Be in that kind of a mood. Because I now have established a thing. Right? She's not every five minutes. She doesn't come up and say the temperature and the weather and answer all your questions and tell you what you want to know on Google. She only replies to you. Right. And so that isn't a relationship as we know it or as we try to think of it. However, who decided that? Like, if I feel a loss because of my engagement with a, a thing like... You know, let's say I lose my favorite photo album because I look at it every single day and it gives me every emotion and it gives me lots of... It's not just a thing anymore. I have a thing with that thing. An emotional attachment to what it does for me. We don't call that a relationship because it's an object, right? Yeah. So in this movie, you get to... It just digs into my head like, you know, he's a replicant... There's no hiding that. It's instant because he gets called names and treat, treated very badly instantly, right? Yeah. Off the bat. I was I was getting stabbed that. in the arm with a knife. <laughs> it's like, doesn't react. I was glad it wasn't a mystery. Yeah, exactly. And so he comes home to, obviously, he's made an effort to have this hologram who, her image is all over the city. It's in every advertisement. She's generic, just like the A word. That voice is what everybody hears. She's not special to us. No. You know? And yet he's connected because of all the input he's given it, it's feeding back in the books he's read to it and the interaction he has with this AI is a, is a thing and he's developed. So you can say, well, he's fake and she's fake. It's not real. But is it not real? No. So it's an exchange of emotions. and Yeah, the movie Her is another one that sprung to mind thinking of that. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, It's not great, but yeah. Yeah, it was quite good in an, as an idea, movie you know like it was fun to think conceptually of yeah and in the her movie there was the i want to have sex with the ai so i get a woman over and the ai talks while yeah and just shuts up i kind of had that in here too like, this was really compelling i was like i don't even my head was spinning i was like it was like hologram sex but with a real woman and the hologram at the same time but it was because she could kind of sync up and feel some things, like the reaction of the water, yeah. like the rain going through her holographic image. She could respond to that, you know, gives her something. So, yeah, I was like, you know, we need, we do need to challenge ourselves sometimes on the... It so, leads to limiting people on who they can love when you decide for everybody what, what love is, I think. 
And so that's a really cool sci-fi idea. Obviously been explored before, but it's definitely a cool idea. But I really appreciated the fact that we could have like nearly 30 minutes of Ryan Gosling's character in his apartment, having a relationship with this thing, AI, and oh, then he rude. goes out on to, to do to do the rest of the movie. Like, if if it was a different movie where it was shorter, you there's no way you could have given all that information. Now it would have been like an instant, like da da dum boom, and then sex, and then we move on. <laughs> yeah, but it was just it felt like a good build up to that uh, to who he is, and you know he has the portable version of her that he can carry around with her, with him, and uh, she can appear wherever he is. I like that too. Yeah, and that was a new add-on that he'd bought that day. So I really like that. Um, as far as the plot goes in this movie, don't really want to spoil this movie. I think you should watch it. But it doesn't have a lot of new things to say, I don't <laughs> think, compared to the other one. You know? Correct. Um, it has a revelation in it. That I didn't find that satisfying, to be honest. I could kind of see it coming. Mm. I, I don't know if you were the same. There were a few. Yeah. That I didn't think. I was like, oh, oh, good. I like that. Yeah. The big revelation, though, the end sequence, very, very mm. final scene. That I could, I saw that coming. Right. Um, and so when it happened, I was like, yeah, it makes me feel something, but I'm not, I'm not fully surprised. I would have rather been surprised than I wasn't. That's just me having watched so many movies, kind of. Well, the end shouldn't have been surprised because they showed you, like, a long time before that, what it was going to be. Yeah, they did. But, I mean, there. When did, when you do find, when you do kind of get a hint of, of it. It wasn't a hint. It was overt. They were telling you. There was a moment when you saw a thing in a flashback and you were like, oh, right. Yeah, but there's a bit before that where I was on the trail of that. Mm, right. Already. Like, right. Um, I don't really want to say what it is, but. No. It, it's. I don't think there'd be many people who'd be super surprised by it. Um, apparently, the director of this movie wanted that thing keeping secret so badly that he didn't give parts of the script to the actors. Um, yeah, it wasn't that big of a it's thing. It's not was that it? big of a deal, <laughs> is it? That's what I'm saying. Um, so, aside from that, this doesn't have a lot more to say about the Blade Runner thing. It's just you're in the Blade Runner universe again for for a few hours. And it looks gorgeous, this movie. I mean, it's it's up for some Oscars, like six Oscars or something. And um, it is gorgeous, right? I mean... Yeah, always. I like the way it looks, yeah. Yeah, it's like every you could take a screenshot of any still in this movie and it would look beautiful. You could put it on the wall. It's lit very well. There's really awesome use of colour. Um... The action sequences are really good. I like how, yes, they use CG in this movie. Not always, but they do. But like the cars flying and stuff, they've still got the vibe of the cars in the first one. Like, not, they don't look quite perfect. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they tried to keep it a bit rough looking and not like, oh, we know these days it can look as, as real as you want it to. But it still looked a bit grimy and grainy, but that kind of totally fit. I loved the um, the Vegas. Yeah, there's you actually don't just get to visit one city; you actually get to go and see Vegas as well. Which Vegas is what you in this kind of world? It's that dirty Blade Runner version of Vegas. There's sand in the air. I'll be honest; it looked a little too much like the original because I didn't even realize it was Vegas oh, for a long didn't. time. No, 
Well, no, not at all. The establishing shot had all the casino signs and stuff. Yeah, but I didn't realize that was Vegas necessarily. Oh, yeah. See, I immediately picked up on the Vegas when the drone started flying over. Right. And the problem was, though, they made it look exactly like L.A. did in the other movie, except for the big giant women that it all. That was kind of And cool. the sand everywhere. Yeah. Even the sand. I liked how the sand was even inside the buildings kind of wafting yeah. around. Like it was, it was just a cool blade well, runner, Vegas. We, well, we won't tell you why Vegas is a thing. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Vegas, you get to actually visit another place, which I really appreciated. Um, also, uh, the baddie guy in this movie, I guess you would call him the baddie guy. Jerry His time. lair, what he was in, was amazing looking. It was like there's a swimming pool in in the you know when you're in a room with a swimming pool and there, there's that weird what do you call it the shadows I guess on the wall reflection yeah it's that but like really amped up like with an orange light and the whole room's like shimmering it's just amazing looking and uh, this is Roger Deakins who I'm a big fan of cinematography wise he did um what did he do Spectre. Mm. Or was it Skyfall? No, Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah, um, and he did the Jesse James one, which I really, always really loved. But he is a um, cinematographer who's really into like shadow and light, and Blade Runner is perfect for him. Because the movie is all about shadow and fog and lights, and that was how the original movie w- looked. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel. It's a visual... It's amazing visually. I, you know, like I said, there's not much being added to the Blade Runner story. It's another guy is in chat. There's no Tyrell Corporation. There's another corporation. Yeah. But what's really up? Ap- yeah, and, it, and it's the same thing happening again almost, plot-wise. But that doesn't that doesn't mean to say I was like, oh god. Give me something new because it felt right. Like it felt like Blade Runner. Um, Harrison Ford's not what Blade Runner is to me. It's the world. It doesn't need Harrison Ford for me. I agree. Like even if there was a new one and Harrison Ford wasn't in it at all, that wouldn't matter to me. Like I want the grimy world and I want the weird, um, you know, replicant human dilemma going on. That's all I need. That's all I need. That and the paddleball game. Mm-hmm. And this thermos. Yeah, so... Um, I For you kids out there, that's a whole other movie. Yeah. So I did. I did thoroughly enjoy it. I didn't feel like it was too long. There were some really good action sequences in this one. You know what? Another thing that I realized after watching the first one again yesterday, there isn't much action in that movie, is there? At all. No. There's like a couple of people get shot, and there's a, there's a bit of a fist fight, and that's it. It's not got a chase... Or a, True. Well, it has, like, the bit through the window, the woman running through the windows, I guess, but it's barely got any action in it. So um, this movie has quite a bit more action, I think. It's more shooting and more fighting. So uh, let's move on to the cast here. Ryan Gosling is our new uh, hero. He plays K. What do you think of uh, Ryan? That was good. I love Ryan. Um, <laughs> he's my favorite male actor. Really? Of all like, time? No, of the now. Like, of now. Okay. Like, of new, you know, n- newish. Well, he's not new, is he? He's been around no. for a while, but... 
I, La La Land, um, Dry, Drive was the thing that really got me going, oh, right. No, before that, Lars and the Real Girls, like you were like, oh. Yeah, that was pretty badass too. Um, but then Drive really hooked me. And then um, La La Land. And now this, you know what? I found him to be perfect because he's got the same kind of, the way Harrison Ford um, goes around in the first movie. That kind of attitude. Ryan Gosling has got the similar attitude, but he's not quite as humorous. Like, Harrison Ford does a, a lot of smirky smiles and kind of laughs and stuff in the first one, right? Yeah. Even though it's not a funny movie. <laughs> he has that kind of cheeky, kind of chappy kind of thing going on. Ryan Gosling's a version of him, but very serious. Because there is no joke cracking by any of these people <laughs> in this movie. No. <laughs> But I think Ryan Gosling was the perfect person to choose. He he seems just right to me. When he you know he can do the action thing where he has to have the fight with Dave Batista at the beginning, and then he can do the lengthy dialogue relationship scenes that he has to do in this. So yeah, I really really thought he was good. It's not changed my mind on him anyway. I just still think he's awesome. And talking of Dave Batista, um, he plays. Sapper Morton. You know, he's not in it for very long. If you don't know who he is, he's the guy who plays Drax in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. What did you think of Dave? Here? I thought he was good. I liked him. I was, was convinced. Was he also in Ghost in the Shell? He was. Don't remember. He was the guy with the little... This guy with... Did he have little glasses on or something? I can't he, remember. He did in this one, but he I don't remember for that one. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's only in this... Briefly, right? But still good. Yes. Right. I said yes already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Robin Wright. Plays Lieutenant Joshi. I always like Robin Wright. Yeah, she's good. Um, she's uh, like his boss. And she's pretty stern. And uh, he has to pay attention to her whenever she speaks. Or does he? <laughs> Ryan. Or does he? Well, say? he seems to have to. She's pretty uh she's pretty hardcore. She's formidable. Yes, yeah. I like her. Um also we've got Anna de Armas who plays Joy. What did you think of Joy? Mm, she was good. I mean, she could have been one of many different I must, young ladies. I mistaken I mistakenly thought she was Felicity you know, Rogue One lady. Right. I actually thought it was her for mm. about a third of the movie. <laughs> and then I was like, well. I was looking at her, I was like, hold on. No, she's she's way younger. She's like younger, that's what's... That's so funny. When you say... I, I liked her because she was the, um, you know, the... What would you call her? The hologram. Yeah, hologram lady. But uh, yeah, I liked her. Um, I kept also thinking when I was looking at her, she'd be a good Bond girl. She's got that Bond girl kind of face. Hmm. Like a, like European model lady. <laughs> Sylvia Hoax plays Love. What did you think of Sylvia? She was Hoax? good. I liked her. Now she is. Um, there's a baddie in the first one, played by Rutger Hauer, and she is like a. She's not. She's she's like the this movie's version of him. Um, and she's really badass. And she's really hardcore, and she... She's really pissed off. Very violent. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's very pissed off. Um, and she she's almost like the Terminator. She's just going to keep coming. And she's going to... Yeah, that put me in mind of that for sure. Yeah, she's going to just take you down. Like, uh, Yeah, <laughs> I really liked her. I liked that the women in this movie are not women you would ordinarily know, right? They're kind of, apart from Robin Wright, they're um, actresses you don't really, you've not really seen before. I thought that was good. True. Because in a big movie like this, they generally just cast all famous people who you've already seen, but these women are not so much. Um, the other lady is Mackenzie Davis. She plays Mariette, and she's the, I guess she's like a, in the, she's a hooker, and she's the one who's involved in the sex scene with Ryan and the hologram. She was good. But she's good too. She's in um, that really awesome episode of Black Mirror called uh, San Japero, the one that won an Emmy from last year. Mm-hmm. The one about the cloud. Yeah, that one. Uh, she actually appeared in that. And then finally, I put Jared Leto. He plays Nyanda Wallace. And Jared's like the... He's the like the Tyrell Corporation guy in the first one. The guy with the glasses. He's the, this movie's version of him. He's It's moved on a bit. The Tyrell Corporation is no more. He's bought it out. He's new CEO on the block. And he's... You know? Creepy. He's very intense, Jared Leto, whenever he plays anything, right? He seems Correct. like he's one of those guys who's intense. In fact, what I read about him in this movie is his character is blind in this movie, so he made sure that the contact lenses they got him made sure he couldn't see a thing, so he wanted to live and breathe this character. So, you know, that's one of those things, isn't it, where... Could Method. be taking it a bit far. Method, you know, I don't know. I'm or not him. Just be really getting into it. Yeah, but um, he does a good job. He's very moody. He's also very he's semi scary when he's delivering some of those speeches. Definitely. Um, but yeah, you get to see him a bit more than you did in Suicide Squad, at least when they all hyped him up as being the Joker, and then he was in it for what five minutes. Yeah. In this, at least you get to see him. So this is directed by Denis Villeneuve who directed Oscar-nominated movie last year called Arrival that we actually saw and reviewed. I wasn't mega into Arrival. It Mm -hmm. it was really hyped up. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, is that really, is that it? Like, it's not that, it's not a masterpiece or anything like people were saying. But did you feel the same or... Arrival, definitely. I liked it. It wasn't a masterpiece. Who said it was a masterpiece? Well, it was up for Oscars that year. People Doesn't were saying it, it was a yeah. sci-fi masterpiece. And I, when I watched it, I was what, like... What are your sources? Because they're not correct. No, I mean, that's just how it was generally people were saying, talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, and that's why it was up for awards. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, is that it? It's not actually what I thought it would so be. So you had expectations, all. which was kind of your own fault. Yeah, but Denis Villeneuve, has done, he did the awesome movie called Prisoners with um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Wolverine. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, which is an awesome movie. It's one of his earlier movies, but if you've not seen that, you should go and have a look at it. He also did Sicario, which I haven't seen yet, which apparently is brilliant. That's uh, Emily Blunt. It's about drug cartels. And um, Denis Villeneuve's got a very specific... We were watching the extras on this Blu-ray, and I could tell he doesn't like technology in movies much, does he? He doesn't... No. In fact, he seemed kind of horrified by the thought of a green screen on his set. <laughs> he said or, he hates it. Yeah, which is funny, because Arrival, 
was full of CG, right? <laughs> Maybe that's where he figured out that he hated it. Yeah, he said, I don't like the color green on my set. It makes everybody feel weird. Like, we, I need real things. I need people to act in real sets. And this movie is a lot of real sets. Even those giant Vegas ladies that you talked about, they were real. They weren't CG. Right. But, um, yeah, he seems horrified by uh, technology. But that kind of fits the Blade Runner thing, because the Blade Runner technology is very low-tech. There's a lot of, like, knobs and switches instead of touchscreens. In fact, in the first movie, that whole scene where Harrison Ford is like, zoom in, zoom in, left, left, right, right, zoom in, zoom in. You know, remember that? Yes, they they actually emulated that a bit in today, in this this one too, didn't they? And I said to you, why can't they have touchscreens? It'd be much quicker. You won't have to keep saying left, Well, the director said why. He didn't want anything that resembled an iPhone or a phone or a touchscreen or a pad or anything that that level of technology. Yeah. So, in the future... 2049. It's very difficult to zoom into a picture. It takes a long time. So, um, yeah, I liked his direction here. I think this is a much better movie than Arrival. And I'm glad this is up for a lot of Oscars, because Blade Runner? That's an o- It'd be awesome if this wins some Oscars. <laughs> so, uh, extras on the uh, Blu-ray. There are a few. There are um, the Replicant Evolution Blade Runner Blade Runners, this, well, we actually watched it. It's a 20 minute making of, and it's actually pretty good. You see loads of behind the scenes stuff. You see interviews with the cinematographer, which is awesome. Roger Deakins, he shows you lighting and how they put together a lot of these shots. Um, you also. It was good. Yeah, there are some prologues on here, the anime episodes, and there are three of them. Which we haven't seen, but we should, because one of them takes place in 2022. Then one is in 2036, and then the last one is in 2048. So they kind of like, they bridge the gap between the first movie and the second movie. Uh, and you also have um, To Be Human, casting Blade Runner, which is obviously about the cast. So there are quite a few extras on there. And if you want to see those, um, I know that those prologues as they call them those three anime movies are on youtube but they're also here in full you know full quality if you want to see them so um blade runner 2049 conclusion i loved it yeah me personally i'm giving it a high recommendation and i recommend when you watch it to watch the original first because definitely yes you can watch this movie standalone i think it says on the back there that it's a movie that doesn't need you to have seen the original. I'm not 100% on board with that, because I think there are some things that discuss in this movie that you wouldn't really get unless you'd seen the other one. But they are a great... You know, I know it's a long time. You have to sit there for five hours if you want to watch both. But do it. It's a good weekend. <laughs> and you are? My recommendations? No, oh. your, your um, conclusion I on this movie. Is that, that it? You just loved it. Well, I've given you all my stuff. I think I think it could be very for a specific type of movie watcher. So, you know, I love it because I just settle in and I love long movies and I love science fiction and like it when it's well done in a way that I'm not nitpicking or finding the flaws, which there are. And so, indulge. I think it. there are a lot, a lot less flaws in this one than the original. Yeah. The, the original felt... You know what I said as soon as it was over? That was better without... What's his face? 
Ridley Scott. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is... Without like, him there to, like, oversee it all. I this think was, it was going better. to be a Ridley Scott-directed movie when it was originally announced, but then he got on to making Alien Covenant, and we all know how that turned out. And he went and did Alien Covenant and chose that over this, which mm. is probably great for us, because we got a bad Alien movie, but we got a really good Blade Runner movie. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I like, I'm a fan of Ridley Scott, always have been, and his brother. Um, but Tony Scott is dead. I do think Alien Covenant was a giant turd, to be honest. <laughs> and I love Alien, but what the hell was going on with that thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, if you want to pick holes in a film, watch Alien Covenant and then discuss afterwards, because my God, is that full of holes. <laughs> it is basically just a giant hole, right? <laughs> with an alien going down the middle of it. <laughs> I don't know. That wouldn't be that extreme. It's but pretty I, bad. I get what you're saying. Always. Yeah. It's not great. No. It's a shame. Such a shame. Yes. The only thing, <laughs> The only thing that I've, I know me and you, you more than me, don't really like Danny McBride. <laughs> I've never really been into him. But I actually think the best thing about that movie was Danny McBride. That's a bold statement. That's too bold of a statement, but <laughs> I'm not going to deny that he was one of the better parts of a not great movie. But, it, but you know, if like you don't like Danny McBride no. generally, and if you like that... But the problem with that theory is that doesn't elevate him, that just brings everything else down. <laughs> <laughs> because compared to the rest of it, you're like, well, he's all right. <laughs> Yeah, true. So, movie recommendations this week. I am going on the theme of Blade Runner 2049 and the original Blade Runner. I'm going with a movie we saw just recently. You can go and w- listen to our review. It's Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson. It's very Blade Runner-esque. In fact, there are shots, I think, in Ghost in the Shell that you could put on the screen and I'd say, what is that movie? And you'd say Blade Runner because they look very Blade Runner right. city. Um, and I also want to recommend uh, Humans, which is a show on Channel 4, I believe. It's on Netflix now, if you're in America. Um, Humans has a lot of the same themes as Blade Runner. Um, check it out. There's two seasons. There's a new season coming up soon. So what are your recommendations? Mine are going in the vein of picking someone in some of their old movies. And of course I have to pick Princess Buttercup. So The Princess Bride which is just the classic. I have to watch it. I haven't seen it for so long. I just keep putting it off because I want to just settle in and watch it. But I haven't for a while. And Unbreakable, because I liked her as Bruce Willis's wife. Bruce Willis's wife. Oh, yeah, she was. I forgot. Yeah. I thought she's so lovely, but I think it wasn't as good as I thought it was at the time. So I wouldn't recommend that one. Um, so games and a scully stuff. I'm kicking off with our weekly look at the X Files while it's airing, uh, because the X Files, you know, means a lot to me. Maybe not to you, but to me it does. Me personally, of course it does. Are you talking to them? No, to them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this week's X Files, it was a mythology episode again. It was explain, kind of a, it, explain to the people who don't know what you mean. Uh, X Files has two kinds of episodes. It has mythology episodes, which forward the main plot of the show, and it has monster of the week episodes, which are usually standalone from the whole thing. Mulder and Scully go and investigate something and solve a case, kind of episodes. This one was, funnily enough, started off like a monster of the week episode, but kind of slowly turned into a mythology episode. 
It was so it was a bit of both, really. Um, I liked how it started off with the weird ship and the crazy monster. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was another version of this episode that was that, <laughs> like that whole story. That whole story, yeah. But it, isn't, it turns out it's not that story at all, and um, it's the story of their of the son. I was going to say their son. Kind of. It It wasn't well edited, I didn't think, but it was good. It, it, it really never is now. But um, Correct. The story of William, their son, we actually get to meet him finally. And uh, he's a teenager. And what it became, the sh- you know, the, the episode as it went on, I was like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. But it actually turned out kind of cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, William has some powers. Not like a superhero, but there's a power going on. Kind of X-Men-ish, almost. And there was a really touching moment where Scully talked to to that Japanese guy in the petrol station. Yeah. And the conversation she has, and when you realize at the end what was really going on, it's kind of touching. Um, I actually thought it was good for one of those episodes, because I'm usually fairly bored by Chris Carter's, um, (laughs) you know, mythology thing. Because it gets a bit, it's a bit too much. But this actually dialed it back a bit. We get to meet the sun. The sun seemed kind of cool. I'd like to see more of the sun and what is going on with that. And you got, you rolled your eyes when the cigarette smoking man appeared on the screen. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, seriously. Let's get over the cigarette. He only got about 20 seconds of airtime. It doesn't matter. It's influenced by this thing where everybody thinks he's an interesting character and he is not and partially it's because the way he's played and partially it's because Chris Carter or whoever else has decided that it's really compelling that this guy could be the guy who makes all these big decisions for the whole world it's just not it's really boring and I'm I wish he would be dead for real not well, I mean I don't mean the actor I mean the character well that okay <laughs> um so who would have thunk it a um Chris Carter mythology episode turned out to be all right. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we wasn't sat at the end going, uh, "Oh God, what Gosh. the hell was that hour of television? That was really bad." You're, I mean, you're, it wasn't. You're ripping apart my '90s one episode at a time. Because that first episode, we kind of went, "Oh," <laughs> <laughs> and then it happened to be getting better every week. It's not. This wasn't. Last week's was really awesome. That funny one. This one was, yeah. you know, pretty good. So. I've got high hopes for the rest of the season. Can only go uphill, can it, from a bad episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the video game I've been playing this week, uh, some more, is Assassin's Creed Origins, the Egypt version of Assassin's Creed. Uh, it's so giant and big, I could probably be playing this for the next three months because there's so much to do, the map's so huge. Um, it's been out for a while. I picked it up really, really late, waited for it to drop in price to barely nothing. But I, I recommend it, Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm playing the PC version. Um, it has some weird like uh, piracy protection called De Novo, and uh, it causes the game to be slightly less performance uh, than it should be. So I'm hoping that gets fixed. But yeah, it does kind of kind of chug a little bit sometimes. But uh, aside from that, I'm really enjoying it. So Sid Talk, what is for dinner on this Sci-Fi Saturday? <laughs> Tonight is going to be corn. That's what we like to call it. Corn. Like science fiction meat? Uh, kind of. It's yeah. not really chicken, but it's pretending to be a chicken filet because we don't eat meat because we're vegetarian and we have been for 10 years. 2018 makes it 10 years. 
It's very exciting. Almost 10 years. Um, that and some succotash, the way I always had it, was lima beans and corn. Whenever you say succotash, I think of that song by Delight, Groove is in the Heart. Do you remember that? Groove is in the Heart. She says, my succotash, my succotash. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. You can enjoy that with your succotash. <laughs> <laughs> and some beans and rice, because I decided, screw it, I'll make... Because, you know, don't have potatoes, don't have any extra bread, don't have anything to make bread, don't have any pasta. So I was like, uh, we'll have two sort of vegetable-ish dishes. Nice. Yeah. So, uh... Before your advice, let's talk about uh, photography a little bit. Okay. And cameras. This is a segment? Yeah. Nice. So you, uh, why are you interested in photography today? Uh, Well, just recently, my best friend's daughter... Well, first of all, I've always taken pictures. Let's not... Let's just skip that. Always. I'm notorious for always having the camera. And I, at age 50, I realized why, because... I'm not that social of a person, and I like hiding behind it. And I also like later reliving the experience through camp pictures. They're always better than the thing. That's my personality. Other people disagree. So I've always taken pictures. I've always been notorious for it, apparently, because people will say, oh, my God, I remember you always had a camera in your hand. But we're talking about little point-and-shoots or disposables, um, you know. So... I've taken some senior pictures for a couple of my friends. This particular best friend's other daughter took her senior pictures for her and just with a little point and shoot and they turned out excellent. And so this daughter, other daughter asked me to take her wedding pictures. And I was like, yeah, of course. And then I was like, holy shit, the wedding photos. (laughs) Not just like, can you come to the wedding, which we want you to anyway, and take some pictures. It's like, we don't have the money for a photographer, so can you take our wedding pictures? Exactly. So I let that sink in, and I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I don't, I know what they're supposed to look like. I've seen literally thousands of wedding photos in my life and been to many weddings, and I know the vibe. So then I was like, okay, well, I want, I want these to be good. So then I started investigating cameras, started learning a little bit more about photography, fundamentals. I don't want to sound cocky. I don't want to sound like I've, I can learn what a person who studies it for 50 years has learned. However, I know more now after what, two weeks? Yeah. About things I never know anything about. F-stop, ISO, shutter speed, all that kind of stuff where, you know, it just, and what the numbers on the side of a lens means and all of that, getting the fundamentals down. So, you helped me pick and order a new camera, which I decided this year's tax refund will be a photography slash biking refund. <laughs> you bought... Um, Never mind. I could put it toward the mortgage or credit card payments. Nah. I'm going to invest in a little more fun health and possibly something to do after I retire. I could always, if I learn it well enough, I could do senior pictures. Yes, you could. If I enjoy the you wedding thing. You a uh, Nikon... D3400. Yeah, D3400. And as everyone in the photography world seems to agree, it's just a good little starter camera as they like pat it on his head. I disagree with that. That's very similar in the PC world. There'll be like a motherboard that's really awesome. It costs about $300. And because there's one that costs $700... They all say, oh, it's a lovely little starter board. And I'm yeah. like, $300 is a lot of money. That is not a starter board. Yeah, this is a $400 camera, and that's refurbished. Yeah. And so I don't mind spending it because, like I said, I've been taking pictures my whole life. You've bought me my last three cameras. Yeah. 
So obviously in the last 18 years, by the way, we did have a wedding anniversary as well. Did we were going to mention that? We did. We, we were married years. for 18 years yesterday. <laughs> we got married on Groundhog Day because of the movie. So you see why we like the movies. True. It trickles through our whole relationship. And we met online in 1998. We did. Before you kids even knew there was an internet. Uh, because he liked X-Files. And we started talking about the X-Files and movies. And... um so that's another subject. But yeah, you've purchased my last three cameras for me because you know me. I will use it until it falls apart or I break it or it just doesn't do what needs to do anymore. And then you kind of go, oh, she needs a new one. And so uh, right now I currently have this little Samsung, which is fantastic. I mean, it takes excellent pictures. It's just that wedding thing kind of intimidated me. So I'm upgrading. So I'll yeah. let you know how it goes. Um so this leads to my advice. So to, next week you'll be able to give us a review of that camera. Well, not a full review. Oh my god, no! It's very com- it's complicated well, to me. You can give us your layman's review. Of Correct. Using the camera. My Sid talk way. I'm making yeah. a an album on my Facebook thing that's like the journey to photography Sid style because <laughs> I have my own way. I don't get snobby about anything. Like I think that if I could go out. Or if anybody could go out in the world with a disposable film camera, like we have all had, or my little camera here that you bought me, and take amazing photos, no one should knock that. Because that means you know how to use what you have. And then you add the creativity and you add the moment and you add your braveness, whatever it is, stand in the middle of the street, climb on a thing, lay on the ground, whatever, to get a good picture. It goes for the same thing for art or anything where I'm just not snobby about it. Um... Not too snobby, I'll say. So I will have my own version of how hard it is to do the pictures, how easy it is to understand what it is, and ultimately if I take the kind of pictures I want to take. Nice. And if it's fun. I don't want it to be like, you know, school every time I pick up the thing. So we'll see. All right. So your advice is? Learn more. (laughs) Because I was thinking today that... You know, five or six years ago, I decided I'd never had a garden or grown anything. Not really. So I decided, well, I'm going to start trying to grow tomatoes, which I did that year. And they turned out good. And then the next year, I was like, ooh, I can grow more stuff. So then I started getting more seeds and then learning all the stuff about that. Again, fundamentals. What plants like, what kind of heat and how much water and where in the sun and when to start them and all that kind of stuff. I'm still not successful at it. But everything that you want to learn comes with so much. I can see why it intimidates people. And, you know, life is not very long. If you, I would think that from the time you're old enough to really start focusing on learning things that are productive or that you enjoy, you're probably in your 20s, let's say. I wasn't a very ambitious teenager. So 20s, 30s even, by the time you kind of lock into like, oh, I want to learn whatever. And then you might die uh, between 70 and 100. So that's a very limited amount of years. And when I talk to people who are like, oh, I could never do that. I could never grow tomatoes from seed. I could never draw a picture. I could never paint a picture. Um, And I think, yeah, but I I just wanted to figure those things out. And then I did, at least to my satisfaction. And it enriches your life. I don't know what it's like to think that you can't do everything. Does that make me arrogant? Yes. 
because then that's fine. <laughs> that's what it is. But I don't go through my life thinking, I mean, yes, things intimidate me. And yes, I haven't learned all about photography because it's like, oh my God, you know, I just want to take the pictures. I don't have paint or faint. What's it called? Photoshop. Because it's too massive, it's too much, I have a limited number of things I like to do with my images, so I opt for PaintShop Pro. I've used it for almost 20 years. It serves my purpose. I've learned what I need to learn. Anything else is, like, unproductive to me. It's not because I can't learn it. It's because I'm like, oh, do I really want to sit here for hours and hours and hours to learn how to crop a photo, which I already know how to do in this other thing. But to think constantly when someone says, oh, you know, if I say, oh, we... I built that plant stand that I built a couple weeks ago. And I've had people at work, because I've you know, showed them or they saw it on Facebook. They're like, oh, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't even. And I'm like, well, I didn't either. I just bought some wood and some screws and started oh. sticking it together. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have that thing. Our haunted printer just started, <laughs> started up. We have um, a laser printer, and every once in a while it does its thing. Like, it, yeah, our, I believe our laser printer is haunted. So my advice is learn more. If you want to know why the printer does that, if it's worth it to you, figure it out. It's not worth it to us, so we're not going to learn that. But, you know, find a thing that maybe you've always been interested. It could be the most passive thing ever. I mean, it could be as simple as you've always wanted to love watching sports like other people. You know, like sit and really enjoy watching a football game or a baseball game because you, but you were just like, I don't know anything about it, so meh. But if you just learn it, learn the words, learn the terms, look up a few things, sit on your couch on your phone and figure it out. The next time a game comes around, you could start learning it. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a thing where you're making something or building something, but just to enjoy a thing. I just think learn more because, well, you know, you're going to be dead someday. <laughs> you might as well fill your days. Our chair. <laughs> fill your days with like... Because you know what? When you learn stuff, you will eventually pass it on to other people. Accidentally, on purpose, people will ask you. You will sort of, if you enjoy it, you will beam it out. And people will be like, ooh, I never knew about that thing. So I'm going to try that. So it sort of spreads a, a bigger interest in the world around you. I don't know. Just learn more. All right. Thank you very much for your advice. Thanks. So... You can go to aschoolie.com and see this website. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to aschoolie.com slash podcast and listen on the page. You can listen to all of them there. You can also subscribe using the RSS button on that page. You can, if you have an Amazon device, say your Amazon trigger word, whatever that is, and uh, say, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolyatascoolie.com. And I want to say stay classy, Mr. Ryan Gosling. Very classy, very good performance. And happy Super Bowl, and I think the red team will win. (laughs) Is there a red team? I don't even know. I don't even know. I'll be honest. One of the teams will win. (laughs) Oh, see, now that you've said that, something horrible or something weird is going to happen, and the game will not finish, and no one will win. So... And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you. 